Welcome to the Business with Bordeaux podcast, where we're bringing basic business tips to entrepreneurs and the future leaders of tomorrow. Let's get down to business. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Business with Bordeaux podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. I hope the recent ones have been helpful for you, have uh, given you some information, some inspiration to go out and do whatever it is you were called to do to benefit the kingdom of God. And uh, yeah, so I, I got a lot of great feedback from the Butterpee interview. Uh, this week's interview has just as much good, valuable information. I spoke with Billy Johnson Jr., uh, who created Media and Repertoire, and just to kind of help guide artists through navigating uh, in the public realm to be able to connect with people on a, a, a proper level, things like that. And so uh, we were talking about what repertoire is. If you're brand new to the music scene, you may not know. But we dive into all of that stuff. And uh, so it's a really good interview. Make sure you stay tuned through the end. And uh, before we jump into it, though, I do want to thank Aaron Simpkins at True Strength Apparel, JT, uh, or LT Smith, and uh, Jay Sannon, all Patreon supporters for the show. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. If you want to support the show, you can just head over to patreon.com backslash business with Bordeaux and you can do so there. And I appreciate all of you. Um, I'm going to do this show no matter what. I'm not going to try to tell everybody, Hey, if you don't support the show, we can't continue to go on. Uh, to me, this is a ministry tool. So if it helps you, it's doing its job and, uh, whether or not resources come in really doesn't matter to me, honestly. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Billy Johnson Jr. over at Media and Repertoire. All right. And welcome back to another business with Bordeaux interview. Uh, I have what I feel like is going to be a really great, uh, interview right here with Mr. Billy John Lee, uh, Lord, Billy Johnson Jr., from um from media and a repertoire, uh, he is a journalist. Uh, well, he comes from journalism. He's done a lot of that. Had a lot of experience in that, and he founded uh, his own company a couple years ago. So we're going to talk about this journey that he is uh, that he is is going on, still on, and what we can learn from that. So uh, have with me Billy Johnson Jr. How you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you being on the show, and um, and, and you know, as you know, you had just mentioned to me off air. You know, you're still in this thing. You're still growing it, building it, but you're using wisdom, information, relationships that you've built along the way. And uh, and so right at the gate, I just want to let people know that I feel like this is going to be uh, very beneficial for anybody who is planning on getting started, jumping on board, and doing something, or who is in the midst of it. And it's still trying to grow it. So um, I'm really excited to be able to do this interview with you. And, uh, and shout out to uh, Rick Sincere for, for, for linking us up and connecting us. Um, I think that was great. So just kind of, uh, you know, just, just let people know a little bit about who you are, how you got started in media, in journalism, and, and what it is that you've done that has led up to you starting uh, your, your new company. Well, thank you. I also want to thank Rick Sincere. Um, had a chance to do publicity for him, um, you know, last year, and great opportunity to work with him. So my story is 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 kind of interesting in in terms of how I ended up creating media and repertoire, which is a, you know I refer to it as a PR company, a digital media agency. But my background is in music journalism, so uh, I have a degree. Ironically, I forgot. Um, I would just tell people that my degree, my, my BA is in communications, um, but maybe a, a year or so, maybe two years after I created Media and Repertoire, this PR company, I came across my diploma. <laughs> and, my di <laughs> and my diploma actually says that my degree is in public relations. <laughs> um, I uh, graduated from Cal State University of San Bernardino. And... Um, you know, I had no idea I would become a publicist and we didn't have a traditional journalism program through communications, it was a public relations. Um, it fell under public relations, but I just took all the journalism classes. You know, I took radio classes and I took, you know, print journalism classes. And I, I definitely took some PR classes, but yeah, my degree says um, public relations. So I just laughed 
for about 10 minutes probably when I came across my degree <laughs> because I just I didn't know that I had never told anyone that my degree is actually in public relations but it's actually a, a natural fit for me um surprisingly but um I started off as a, a journalist working at um a community newspaper actually that's probably not correct so the first thing I did that was related to journalism um I was on yearbook staff for two years in high school, my junior year and senior year. And I definitely love that. And, um, when my last year of high school, I moved to this small town, man, I'm so long winded. You have to push me, you know, uh, you know, uh, whatever, just help me. Um, you're good. You're good. Yeah. So you went from, so, from yearbook to small pa- yeah, to paper book. Yes. Uh, and, but the thing, the first thing I did actually was writing a fan club newsletter for this female rap group that lived in the area that I was in. So I grew up in L.A., then I moved to the city called Rialto, which is about 60 miles north of L.A. in my senior year. Um, they had a really good community radio thing, thing out there. And so there was this girl group called J.J. Fad, and they had the song called Supersonic. And so I heard that song on the local radio um, before they got signed by Eazy and Ruthless Records. You know, So for like a year before that happened, the song was taken off locally. Then I heard they got signed by Ruthless Records, and then the song was on the radio. You know, they're on BET, the show called Rap City. Um, the intro to the show, um, where they had they spliced different artists, like doing IDs, like they were incorporated into that. The song ended up being nominated for a Grammy. They toured with um, Will Smith and all this stuff. Um, you know, it was crazy, Public Enemy. And so being in this, leaving L.A., being in a small city, seeing this going on right there in the same city, little small town was like, that was a lot for me, you know, at 17, 18 years old. And at this time, again, I was not into journalism or anything, but I just wanted to meet them because they were there in the, in the city. So I literally would write them letters, you know, until they responded uh, <laughs> after about six or six or seven um I don't know, six to nine months or whatever, I finally got a response. But I would write letters. And it's interesting as I tell this story, because these are actually skills that I use as a publicist, you know, t- um, today. But the thing was, I would see them in these magazines. So I saw like, okay, Run DMC had the song and they sampled their song. That would be a letter. So I write right. a letter. Hey, I, I heard the new Run DMC song from the Ghostbusters soundtrack. And I heard that you're sampled in there. That's cool. Hey, let me help with your fan club, you know? And then, you know, <laughs> two weeks later, there's something that, hey, I saw you're on tour. I saw this. Hey, let me help, you know? And so, you know, after several months of, um, you know, email stock, our, our mail, snail mail stalking, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Um, right, right. I, I, got a, I got a call to help and they let me send the things out, the, the newsletters. And then I said, hey, I'm changing my major to journalism. You know, can I help write the fan club newsletter? And they eventually allowed me to do that. And I really enjoyed it. And that was really kind of like my first taste of, um, wow, you know, is there a job in here? You know, is right. there a career a career path? I mean, I would read the L.A. Times. I would read Entertainment Weekly. I would read Word Up magazine. You know, and this was even before Vibe magazine came out. And I just really liked, you know, the storytelling of what was happening in pop music. And, you know, at this point, I was two years into college. And I um, you know, was thinking about changing my major and I thought, well, you know, why not? You know, I could do this. You know, I, I could totally do this. And so I got a job at a community newspaper, not as an entertainment reporter, but as a production assistant. Um, after being there for a year, they let me start doing entertainment stuff. And I just I just jumped in. You know, it was really interesting. I was so young. I was like 19 or 20 years old. I was writing this fan club newsletter. I leveraged that that interest and the skills to this community newspaper. And, and I would just call up record companies and like TLC when they were coming out. I didn't even know like what the media department was called at the record label. Right. I literally now guys this is before the internet, you know, we're talking the early <laughs> 90s. So I would call 411 in Atlanta, which was like, I knew the area code was 404. So I think I would dial like, you know, whatever one four zero four four one one, And I'd say, can I have the number to LaFace records? And then when LaFace records would and I say, can you, can you send me to the department that handles, newspapers you know i didn't know it was called publicity <laughs> you right, know that right. I, I write for this you know i'm an editor for the black voice news in you know california and i wanted to interview so-and-so what do i do and i literally i just wasn't nervous about doing it and i asked a lot of questions and 
and I met a lot of people at record companies. And it was a great time for me because, you know, hip hop wasn't mainstream. You know, there are a couple artists who were mainstream, but most of them weren't. And so these departments, they had all these artists and they're trying to figure out how to cover them, trying to find newspapers that wanted to talk to them. And so even though I was calling from this small community newspaper, they would give me access to interview them. Now, I, I couldn't I never got an interview with TLC, you know, but a lot of other artists who were new artists who were on the rise, who didn't, you know, weren't that huge. Some of them were, some of them weren't. And I just started getting a lot of interviews. So while I was still in college, you know, I had contacts with all the record companies. I was doing interviews. You know, I was getting tons of free music. You know, I leveraged this on my college radio show. You know, then I started um, writing to magazines, asking them for opportunities. You know, and so it really kind of grew organically. You know, me just um, taking a lot of initiative, asking people for help and um, and working and just, you know, I would always be able to show people what I was doing. I would go, hey, look, look what I've written recently, you know, for this newspaper. And I turned that into writing for magazines um, until I, you know, ultimately got a job. You know, I had a hip hop magazine called Rap Sheet. And, you know, man, it was it was it's pretty crazy. Like when I think back now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So when you started yeah. off like with, you know, just going back to the 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 fan newsletter, was all that yeah. stuff were you offering to do that all for free? Yeah, I didn't. I never asked for money. But um, so when I started doing the fan club newsletter, you know, I would go and the mother of um, MCJB, she's a leader of the group. And uh, her mother was running the fan club newsletter. So she contacted me and we just, she just really, you know, we connected. She was, I ended up calling her aunt Virgie um, because we (laughs) got them so well. And I would go over there and help her. And she would tell me all these stories, you know, of all these things they were doing on tour. She would show me their video, the VHS cassettes that they would take, you know, of like them just hanging out backstage and stuff like that. So it was a real kind of thing. Totally VHS tapes. Um, and uh, so anyhow, but I would just go help. Um, and she just started giving me money. Mm. You know, she would give me, a little, give me a little stipend every month, which was cool. I didn't care about getting paid. You know, I had a, a job, you know, working at a, a school or whatever. You know, I, I just did it for the because it was fun. You know, I, right, I, right. I was thinking of it as a career. But I, yeah, I actually did get a little a little money, uh, fifty dollars a month. I think she gave me for <laughs> for helping. Yeah, and that's that's really. <laughs> that's kind of really similar as well to um you know even to my story like whenever i first started working with track stars you know mm-hmm. i was just like hey i love what you guys are doing i'd love to be able to help in some way shape or form and uh and eventually yes. you know doing that for a while showing my faithfulness and doing it and not just you know showing up a couple of days and disappearing because they didn't give me any money um right. they gave me an opportunity to be able to earn some some income and commissions and stuff like that and so what I'm hearing and kind of in the same thing I've talked about with some of my recent interviews is uh is kind of going in as a servant and serving mm-hmm. which wow. yeah. is is like the number one Christian character that we should all have and yes yeah. and then serving in you know very consistently and being dependable can eventually lead to you getting at least reimbursed for some time and then later on paid hopefully and um yeah. so I I love that that part of the story where it shows that you you really had a servant's heart to begin with not just oh, hey absolutely yeah let, let me go in here and try to make some you know some let, let me go grab the bags and um and yeah. so I, go ahead I think uh, a, a lot a lot of times I mean it's it's kind of weird you know um it was all sincere was definitely serving um and i'm pretty ch- laid back and chill you know at the same time but i i also like i i as much as i you know made that initial contact to you know because I, I liked what the girls were doing with their music and wanted to support but as i you know forged formed this relationship with on virgie i also i would go and i would help and it wasn't like the girls were over there you know um sometimes right, right. mcjb would come by but I and I also was never pressing like, when am I going to meet them? This, that, another. You know, I would just go and do the work. Hey, what do you need me to do? And just more, we created such a good rapport and trust. She started saying like, Billy, you know, when my daughter's here in town, I'm going to make sure you get to meet. You know, like I actually um got to 
when they did their second album, I, I was able to, I appeared in one of their music videos. You know, this is all on Virgie saying like, Billy, they're shooting a the video. You should be, you sh- you know, you do so much to help. I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to make sure you can go, you know, and be, you know, in the video, <laughs> be in the video, you know, but all this came out of uh, the, the love and rapport and, and trust, you know, I didn't, um, present myself as someone who couldn't be trusted. I wasn't taking imp- personal information I received and was, you know, um, sharing it and things like that. And uh, you know, and I'm still friends with them today. I mean, I, I, in fact, I just saw two of the two of the, the girls um, at this event um, a couple weeks ago, um, and you know, po- posted a picture of them on my um, posted a picture of them on my Instagram. And so this is like 30 years, you know, a 30 year relationship, which is pretty amazing. Right, right. So let's kind of fast forward a little bit. So that, that was kind of your introduction. And um, and you've done, you've worked with, name some of the, the, the companies you've worked with doing uh, journalism. Sure. So um, as a freelancer, um, back in the day, even when I was um, working at the community newspaper, I started to write for Word Up. So Notorious Big Song Juicy says, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. So right, right. Um, that was pretty amazing that while I was still in college, I had an opportunity to write for them and they would just, you know, um, they would give, allow me to do a lot of stuff. Um, so I interviewed too short and yo, yo and, um, SWV or, you know, I, I did a lot of interviews for them. I wrote for them for about two years and then I got a job at rap sheet, which was a, um, a hip hop magazine based in LA and it was on newsprint. At the time, the rap magazines, the big ones were Rap Sheet, The Source, and Rap Pages. And uh, so I, I got a job there as a managing editor. I worked there for three and a half years. During the time I was there, Eminem was discovered at a conference at the, um, that the magazine hosted. It, you know, there was a, a rap battle that uh, we'd host every year at our conference. And yeah, he came um, one year as part of the Rap Olympics and was discovered. So that was pretty amazing. Um, I left there. And um, I went to a company called Launch.com that ended up being acquired by Yahoo. So after two years of being there, Yahoo acquired it. And I worked there for, you know, um, 18 years. So that was pretty amazing. And I've also freelanced for um, Vibe, um, Entertainment Weekly, Tupac and Biggie died. I helped cover their deaths Um, in terms of like how the music business was going to be impacted by their deaths, which was pretty amazing. and let's see, I, I I don't know, you know, lots of freelance over the years. So right, it's right. been, it's been pretty. Now a question, have there been situations where a company has said, Hey, if you're writing for us, you can't write for anybody else. Was, did that ever happen? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's always a conflict of interest and you know, you learn what they are. I mean, when I was an editor at rap sheet, you know, I could no longer write for word up. And then I, it was a conflict of interest for me to, to pursue writing opportunities at the source, you know, cause it was another hip hop magazine. So I was kind of strategic in, cause when I left, um, when I was leaving rap sheet, I was thinking, should I find a job at another hip hop publication or should I, you know, pursue something else? And I wanted to one, go online and two, I wanted to work for, um, a, a media, uh, outlet that covered other genres as well. And my thought was if I do that one, I would be able to, you know, reach a different audience you know, a larger audience. And then also if I'm working for a media outlet that isn't exclusively hip hop, then I could freelance for other hip hop um, publications. So that actually worked out perfectly because when I got the job at launch, I immediately started freelancing for the source, um, which was something I wasn't able to do, you know, before, prior to that. So that was pretty, pretty cool. And then when I was at Yahoo, you know, I could um, freelance for other um well, it was a little different because Yahoo had a lot of partnerships. So actually, oh, it was okay. I, I had one thing was really cool. And I got the job at, at at launch. Actually, before it was Yahoo, we had syndication agreements with AOL, MSN and Yahoo. So stories that I would either write or uh, or assign to freelance writers would appear in all these other places. So I literally went from this, this you know, pretty respected hip hop publication with a circulation of 100,000 to this online platform that like, I mean, I don't even know what the numbers were, you know, just exponential because of the syndication aspect of it, you know, just having articles that could reach a million people. 
Um, and so it, it was actually pretty, you know, pretty amazing. Okay. Let me ask you this. And, and, and this is, uh, it might be a different kind of question. So why does the reach of your articles matter? Well, um, I, st- I have a great perspective because I started at a, a small community newspaper that, you know, at the time the circulation was like under 10,000. And so, um, so, and another a reason why I decided to become a journalist is because I wanted to help tell the stories as hip hop was becoming more popular. You know, um, I was, I would see the way mainstream media would cover these stories, especially like say Tupac and things like that or Snoop Dogg with the thing, the things of a controversial nature. And I didn't like the way mainstream media covered the stories. My interpretation is that they didn't know the music. They didn't care about the music. It was just a new story about, you know, something negative, you know, pertaining to you know the black community. And I was really sensitive to that. And I wanted to make sure that the stories were told differently. So one reason that was important for me to go to reach a larger, larger audience, like when entertainment weekly, um, contacted me to ask me if I wanted to help cover um, Tupac's death. I mean, I was excited because it was a dream publication for me to want to write for. I had met the West Coast Bureau chief six months earlier, gave him my business card. But I mean, when he asked me if I wanted to help cover, you know, Tupac's death, I was really nervous because I hated the way mainstream media was covering the East Coast, West Coast rivalry. And I can only imagine, you know, what a publication like that, what approach they would take. But um, I'm actually very proud that in that moment I said, well, what are you looking What are you looking for? Because if you're looking for someone to say he lived by the sword and died by the sword, I'm not interested. Mm. And he said, well, what are you? What, what do you suggest? I said, well, I'm, my, it's my suggestion that if you cover this story, you need to talk to people who knew Tupac well enough so that they could are new hip hop well enough that they can explain what was really happening here, you know, like really explain the story and not trivialize it. And the editor was like, okay, go for it. And so um, I got some quotes. One of them was from Ice Cube and the Ice Cube quote was the last quote in the story. That's 5,000 words and a cover story. Mm-hmm. And his quote, was, um, hip hop didn't kill Tupac, a bullet did. And so in that moment in 1996, for me to, you know, to know that I was able to contribute to a story like that and then contribute that kind of, uh, you know, information that, that, that the person who wrote the story and the editors would, would deem worthy enough to be the anchor quote at the end of the 5,000 word story, you know, I mean, that that gave me goosebumps. And so as a Christian, you know, as advocate for hip hop and this, that, and the other, you know, when I got my job at Yahoo, um, I, I carried that same, you know, that same mindset. It's like, okay, I've been given this opportunity to be in this place. How am I going to use it? You know, if I'm writing about Kanye West, you know, taking the war from Taylor Swift on the stage, Michael Jackson dying, Whitney Houston dying, you know, like what is my perspective um, as a Christian or whatever? And those stories are stories that I wrote for Yahoo. That was the story front and center on the Yahoo homepage two hours after the incidents um, happened. Right, and, right. and so I just, I really, you know, I just, I, I was just very honored, you know, very honored to, you know, have those opportunities. Right. And I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really important to, to figure out like, you know, well, what kind of angle, you know, do y'all want or expect? I heard a story from, um, it was Sean McDowell, uh, kind of a, a popular apologist and CNN called him and was asking him about, you know, the, the transgender issue with the bathrooms and all that stuff at one point. And, and actually, it was further back than that. And it was CNN because they wanted a Christian's perspective on it. And he was like, sure, sure, no problem at all. I'll be, I'll be glad to, you know, be that, you know, the Christian voice in the realm. And they asked him, well, what's your position on it? And he started to give, you know, uh, not the kind of position they wanted him to have on it. And mm. then he said he looked at it like, you know, later on that evening when they aired it, and they had like a super duper, like extremist Christian on there that was, you know, they're going to die and burn in hell. And, you oh, know, right. so, so it, was, it, it is interesting that, um, you know, to see like how these different publications are, you know, sometimes they might want to force you to cover something a certain way. And then 
as a believer, having the integrity to either say, you know, no, or, you know, I, I can't do it or whatever. So, um, it's definitely cool that, that you were able to share your personal perspectives and not just reflect a publication's reflections on it. So let's, uh, let's kind of fast forward, because uh, I want to get into some of the, the newer stuff, what you're doing now with media and repertoire. So first of all, for people who don't know, I, I think media is kind of obvious. For anybody who's listening that doesn't know what repertoire is, explain what that, what that yeah. word means. Yeah, repertoire is, I guess, maybe another word for body of work. Um, and with my music background, it's really a play on, you know, this role in music at a record label, artist and repertoire. So the the A&R person um, is the person who's responsible for making the record happen. So they're the person that, you know, gets to know the artist very well and is lining up the producers and, you know, being the liaison with everyone at the label to make sure that everything comes together that's you know making the artist happy that's making the label happy etc they're pretty much the middle the middle person um and they're the anchor for the whole project and so i thought um you know thinking long and hard in terms of what i would call my media company you know and, and the day that that it it came to me media and repertoire i thought like whoa you know i'd be that person i'd be the media per, um, point person i really don't like the the title publicist um, probably because of my background as a journalist and I know, you know, it's kind of taboo for a journalist to you know, be a publicist per se. But, you know, I think of myself as a media consultant, you know, that person who bringing all the parts together, um, you know. And so, yeah, I, I actually love it. I really, <laughs> I really love the name of my company. Gotcha. And what made you decide to just, you know, OK, I'm going to go ahead and do this thing. Go full time. Yeah, what's interesting um in terms of how I, 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 I decided to go this approach after I left Yahoo after 18 years in 2016, you know, I literally, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Um, I wanted to switch it up a little bit. I love media. You know, I'm consumer media. I'm, you know, social media. I'm reading articles every day. I'm staying up on pop culture and stuff like that. I kind of didn't necessarily want to still be a part of like the daily grind, you know, it's a demanding job. You know, the whole time I've had the job, you know, it's like you're always on call. You know, Whitney Houston passed away on a Saturday. Um, Michael Jackson died the day on the eve of my 10th wedding anniversary. My wife and I were on our way out of town, you know, but me being the R&B rap guy, you know, like our, that was delayed because, I, you know, I had to stop and, and, and deal with that. So it was just very demanding. Um, so... Uh, the world of publicity is demanding also. So I just wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to create content. However, you know, a lot of people kept asking me, well, have you, do you do media consulting? You know, do you do publicity? What do you think about this? And it really kind of caught me off guard. But a good friend of mine, Tim Trudeau, who has a company called Syntax um, Creative and actually, you know, in, you know, huge you know, label entity in the um, Christian music world distributing like over a hundred different indie labels. And so I, I had a rapport with him for, you know, eight years or so at that point, he had already taken me to flavor fest, um, to do a, a workshop on, um, you know, whether or not you know, CHH artists should be pursuing coverage in mainstream media. And I had done this workshop while I was still at Yahoo and he literally just started referring people to me. So he's like, Billy, I know what you should do. And I was like, what? And he's like, you should, you know, this media experience, you just have such great experience based on everything you've done over the years. That's very valuable information. You know, you could help a lot of people, especially in, you know, in this space. And, um, you know, he had already introduced me to um, to Doc Watson um, at a Reflection Music Group. And he, I mean, he's like, Billy, like, you know, they're looking for some stuff, like you should talk to them. And I mean, before I knew it, I was talking to Doc about like whether or not you know, I would do some PR for them, <laughs> you know, right. and it was, it just really caught me off guard, but I feel, I felt like I was in this transition. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. I knew I could do the job. Um, and I said, okay, well let's try it. And I just, I turned out to love it. And uh, you know, the whole, it's been three years, every client that I've had has been referred, you know, and I've always have three or more clients at any given time. The whole time, the whole three years, they've all been, you know, it's just back to back referrals. I'm always talking to people, you know, who've been referred to me and this, that, and other. So it really has been a blessing. 
So where does um so are your referrals just coming from like label owners or people from from platforms or artists themselves? Where are they actually coming from? From all different types of places. So there there might be label owners. It, you know, it could be a past client, someone I've worked with before. It could be um, someone's heard about me. Like I have this client. So one there's a one. It's 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 a strange world in terms of how it works. So there's a guy who was you know pitching me on some of his work when um I was at Yahoo. As soon as I as soon as he found out that I left Yahoo, he's like Billy. I want to hire you to, you know, consult and do some media stuff for us. I said, okay. I started working with one of his artists and then someone else, you know, hit me up and said, Hey Billy, you know, I, I see what you're doing with this artist. You know, I would like to, you know, talk to you about working with my artist. The other, his name is Jay Lyric. He worked with T-Pain and, um, you know, he's got platinum credits working with, with T-Pain. Right. So this new artist that I'm working with, her name is Crystal Tamar. Her manager, you know, she also worked with T-Pain. And so the two of them had something in common. So, you know, there's just these weird layers, you know, but things like that. Um, just referrals. People are like, hey, we, we saw what you've done with so-and-so. You know, someone referred me to you. But it just, it's just kind of random, you know. And it's no, they're all different kind of scenarios, you know. Um, it's kind of like the six degrees of separation kind of kind of thing, which has uh, been pretty cool. So you are working with with mainstream as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So my company is not. Um, I, I definitely have some uh, Christian artists that I work with, but you know, I mean, it, it's there's no, it's it's open. I mean, um, when I was leaving Yahoo, my prayer that day, I had a complete peace about you know what was to be ahead, even though I didn't know exactly what it was. But my simple prayer was, God, please allow me to do what feels good and feels right. You know, something that I, I could be an asset. Just allow me to do it. I don't want to be in a box, you know, right. and uh, and that is what is what has happened. I have one client. His name is Dr. Daniel Walker. He's a historian. He has a Ph.D. in history. So he's a history professor. But he, he also on the entertainment side is an executive producer. He founded the Gospel Archives at USC and he just produced a, a TV show, an episode of a TV show for um the PBS affiliate in Los Angeles, and it's on the history of gospel music in LA called How Sweet the Sound. It's currently airing on you know KCET right now, so I, I'm doing the publicity for him um, as well. And there's domestic violence intervention program called the Genesee Center. They have a youth initiative called Generation J. I do social media for them and event planning. Last year, we had a contest, Raise Your Voice for Peace, where kids perform songs with positive, um, inspiring messages. Uh, the finale was held at the Grammy Museum, you know, so I'm on that committee. We have a meeting tomorrow night for, you know, this year's this year's competition. So, you know, it's interesting, like the the breadth of the types of things that I'm able to work on. And I love, love, love it. So let's let's just talk about kind of a um, some of the, the the basic responsibilities you have for a client. So, you know, one, what type of client would generally come up to uh, to media repertoire and ask for your services? And what is it that you actually do for them as a service? Sure. I, I, um, I probably, you know, I mean, all my clients, music clients are independent artists. So that seems to be a, a niche uh, for me. And it's, it's good because um, with my background in journalism, you know, I'm able to share a lot of information on best practices. Um, you know, how when approaching the media, you know, you should approach things. I'm really, I'm really good with that because of what I've done. And then um, having lots of friends who are journalists and all these conversations of what they do and they don't like about how people submit content to them. And Mm -hmm. so I'm definitely, you know, really um, helpful in terms of sharing a lot of insight there. So, but yeah, a lot of times people, um, uh, yeah, yeah. People might contact me, yeah, because they're looking for um, media coverage, and so I will assess, you know, whether or not I feel like I could, you know, be an asset to to what they're doing. Um, and we are in an age where, where a lot of media coverage is based on you know clickbait and trending topics and that kind of right. thing, and so that does that does make it a, a tougher because you know all these sites need to have good traffic, so they're looking for stories 
that they think are going to resonate with their audience that people care about. And, you know, that really is a big factor. And if you take, you know, just pick any site, go on the site and um, comb through the stories that are on their site and um, and just for each story, go, why did they have this story? Oh, Cardi B and Offset, you know, are fighting. OK, you know, there's a few there. There's there's, a, you know, this person is a protege of this person. You know, it's pretty easy to tell, you know, why each of the stories were covered. So what I'm actually doing is looking to see, OK, when when are they covering like a brand new artist that doesn't have like a huge cosign? And then what was special about this artist? And then I go then I click on it. Then I go look at their social media to see if they have, you know, tens of thousands of followers or not. You know, I mean, in those instances where I see someone has gotten coverage on a, a great site and they, they have less than a thousand followers on um, social media, like those instances are are, you know, are very uncommon. You know, um, but then, you know, you click on it and it's like, OK, well, this music is really good. I mean, MC Nice, um, I was listening to his interview with you and, he's, and he was talking about how he, he does give these opportunities to, you know, artists that don't necessarily have huge following. But he's like, but if I'm going to put, you know, this new guy that no one's heard of, it's got to be really good um, so that, you know, when you, when you when it's played next to, you know, like another artist, like, um, you know, people aren't surprised, like, why is that in the mix? So, you know, there are all those all those factors that, that come into play. So I help them navigate it. And I won't take on a project unless I feel like I could be an asset. Like, you know, there's got to be something strong. And what I find with some of my clients is that maybe they don't have a huge following, but there's something really interesting. Like on this one artist that, that I work with um, and just for a short time, um, Oscar Urbina, U-R-B-I-N-A, he's out of Miami. And when I talked to his manager and he told me, hey, this guy is a very talented rapper. Um, he's also a teacher and he's a minister. Mm-hmm. And he has a song coming out called Teacher Chronicles, where he talks about what's wrong with the educational system. Now, he said as much to me about him as I just said to you. And I was like, whoa, right. I'm in. Because I was like, as long as the music is good, like, let's do it. Because I saw it as a way for me to pitch him. Because it's not enough for me to just uh, reach out to someone and say, hey, check out this great new artist. That's not enough. You know, like that's not enough to make someone stop and open up an email. Like what how um, how can I make the how it's going to how can I make it a good story? And in a short amount of time, I only work with him for a month and I don't advise working with anyone for a month. That's not enough time to make anything happen. But because um, there was just such a compelling story there. You know, I actually got him on um, the, you know, Channel 7 in Miami. And, you know, literally it was two emails, but they were really drawn to, you know, the fact that this guy was a teacher, you know, and a, and a hip hop artist, you know. And then he, you know, he had a song where he was talking about these things and they literally, you know, went to him and, and, and did, a, did a TV piece. And so that was pretty, pretty amazing. So that was a perfect opportunity where everything aligned perfectly, where, you know, I had a talented artist with a great um, topical nature, what he was doing, you know, and uh, and this this um, Channel 7 in Miami, I had also seen that they had this special, this entertainment special they do, and they had that they had covered Social Club Misfits. So, you know, I'm doing lots of research to figure out like, OK, you know, who covers these other kind of things, you know, gotcha, um, gotcha. Because those, those, that's helpful. You know, I need to you have to you, you have to reach out to the right person. Um, because journalists don't like being bothered by things that are not relevant to them. Just the same way no one else likes junk mail. When you go to your mailbox, you get junk mail. You can't throw it away fast enough. You know, you mark something spam. So, you know, part of my job is making sure that I filter these things to the right people. Gotcha. That's good to know. Um, I think, and that happens to, you know, to even the, the outlets that cover Christian hip hop. You know, we'll get something completely random, and I'm like, yeah, we really don't cover that, or you know, it's not something that we do. You know, you can have a person that says, "Man, I love what y'all are doing with the site. You're awesome. Here's my song," and it's talking about, you know, getting drunk and, you know, having, <laughs> you know, um, non-marital affairs and things like that. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, you don't really know the site at all, do you? And, and yeah. I'm pretty sure all of them cover that. So. Um, uh, I feel like they probably needed to talk to you in terms of where not to submit their stuff. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, um, I have different 
this, you know, and it could it could be so very granular. Um, but I definitely don't send, you know, my CHH outlets, you know, the secular stuff. I don't do it, you know. And yeah, but now I'm working with SO, who, you know, has this new project, Augustine's Legacy, coming out. And, you know, he has this video called Goals that's like, you know, it's it it's I, I I sent that you know to you know to to the mainstream hip hop outlets um as well and I, and I got some some blog pickup and some good feedback on it so um you know I I just take all this stuff into consideration before I you know I I send it to someone's inbox. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's talk about some of uh if 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 you notice like maybe some common mistakes that people might make uh just some kind of quick tips you can give people of what to you know what they should be doing more what they're not doing in terms of uh from a publicity standpoint uh i mean because you know i think there's a lot of things that people just don't know that they should know um or if you know if you've seen something where you're just like man they really probably shouldn't have done that whether it's from a journalism standpoint you know uh, pr standpoint uh is there anything like that that you could share Sure. You know, there's a, it's a long, you know, it's a long, a long list. Right. So, um, first of all, I think there's, there's different ways. Like hiring a publicist is, is a thing in, a, a thing to itself. You don't need a publicist for, you know, there's certain things that people could do, do themselves. And there's probably a lot of that in the CHH community where artists are, you know, doing and getting, you know, getting good features, you know, on, you know, on the key sites on, track stars and rapzilla and, and things like that just by um being professional but being professional i guess would be the first thing right be professional in all things um all things you do you know um justin the editor-in-chief of um, rapzilla he posts these artist tips which are funny um sorry i'm i don't know if it's okay to talk oh about yeah, yeah, yeah 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 that's fine okay but he um he does these things it's a hashtag artist tip yeah and he will say like, "Hey, this is what you know. Someone um, sent me." And he's basically like, "Oh my gosh, just please stop!" And I just laugh and I re I retweet them some of the times. But you know, I mean, someone was angry because he hadn't covered something yet, and, and this that and the other. And so, so you know, be professional, be professional at all times. That's just basic. You'll be surprised it just in being professional how that will help. You know. Um, and also understand that it's a process and things don't happen overnight. And just because you spent a year saving up the money and producing this song and now you're ready to release it tomorrow or next week or whatever, doesn't mean that everyone else is going to adjust their priorities to, you know, adhere to your, you know, priority. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so you, you really need to, um, you got to, you know, you just have to understand that before you do anything. And if you understand those things, the other things that will follow, you know, will be, um, will be easier. One, one of the things, one of the mistakes I noticed is that you know, people don't have enough content um, to really get the press engaged. You know, you, you really need, um, it, it's got to be a, a buildup. I know the little Nas X <laughs> hit it out the park. You know, with his first song, um, Old Town Road, just doing great. And Rick and Mar Mariah Carey's, you know, 17-week um, record at number one and everything. But I tell you, those stories are few and far in between. Everyone else is going to need to build up to that. And especially if you don't, you know, have all these other resources that are going to get the song um, attention. So, but you need a, you need a, a series of, of content. There's got to be a rollout. You have to build momentum create a snowball effect and the way you do that is by releasing music um releasing a music video following up with more content and sharing this this whole story with the with the press and it, and it happens over a period of time and you know it requires certain things to align you know to get people to get people on board so that's one of the first things and i, and I definitely feel i've had the most success in my pr campaigns where I worked with a client for, you know, numerous months, you know, five or six months is ideal where there was a, a, a rollout of content. And what I saw happen during this time is, um, you know, we were able to establish consistency with the media outlets. I was able to send them a song, say, hey, check out this song. Then I was able to come back and say, here's the music video for 
for it. You know, did you check it out? And then here's another song. Did you check it out? Here's another one. And 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 as I'm telling the story, I'm also along the way saying, hey, look who else is, has written about it along the way. And I've seen people gradually, you know, gradually come on board over a period of time. And, and it's just basic marketing. And we this applies to all of us in other instances in life. I mean, just because McDonald's does a new commercial that now they're selling coffee doesn't mean, you know, the next time you drive past McDonald's, you're going to do it. But after a period of time, you know, you might be a star Starbucks guy, but then that one day you don't have time to go to Starbucks and McDonald's and you're at McDonald's and you're like, well, I might as well try it. I'm here, you know, but that happened because for a period of time, you know, you were made aware. And, and so at the point that it, it's relevant to you, you know, then you'll act on it. And this is just not something that, that, you know, typically happens in, in 30 days. And I don't think people think about that. I think people just expect that everything is going to happen. Um, you yeah, know, within an the, instant. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the big things I try to tell people is this like, look, I'm like, People need to see consistency. They have to hear your name a bunch of times. You know, I think a lot of people though they make a song and they expect, okay, I'm gonna promote this song one time on even if it's the biggest outlet out there. Uh that one time promotion, uh, unless the song is just absolutely knocks it out of the park. I think the reason why Old Town Road works so well is because it got so much play you know, like over and over and over again. You're not yeah. necessarily going to get that, um, especially within the CHH realm. I mean, you have to really, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard one song ever where I'm just like, you know, this is a knockout of the park that everybody's going to like. But right. when I see people do something consistently over and over and over again, I see their names a lot not just one time. And I think, you know, that's, that's where I try to gear people. I'm like, look, you know, you you need to be a person who is investing in having even just your name out there. I I think uh, one artist I think does this really well was um, like Zay Hill. He's an indie artist that has worked with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I knew his name because he was featured on everybody's music. And eventually, When I saw him on Cannon's song, I was like, "Oh snap! This this guy, you know." But uh, but he was consistent with what he was doing, and I saw his name consistently. And so, I think, you know, like you're saying, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't happen with just one big boost, one big push. People have to see your name consistently and know that you're going to be in this for the long run before they're going to invest to you as an artist or or whatever you're doing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and journalists, you know, their their time is precious. They can only cover so many things. They're inundated with hundreds of submissions, you know, and ultimately they, they want bragging rights. You know, they, they want to cover the next big thing so that they could say that they were a part of it. You know, that's just you know, that's just a, a, that's one of the areas of, um, you know, being a full time journalist that I miss is, you know, being, you know, early covering so many different um covering so many different artists and just you know because if you're a tastemaker you want to be able to demonstrate that and you want people to trust you you want people to go like hey you know billy is good i trust him if he says this person i never heard of is good then um i'm gonna trust him and i'm gonna go for it and um and so so that so so if you you need to bring that as an artist you know that's the value that you need to be delivering to the journalists um another thing is is that journalists want to cover new information. They don't want to cover it when it's um, already out there. So it's very important that if you have a song that's coming out at the end of the month, a few weeks away, that you need to start hitting up the sites before it comes out. You can't wait till it comes out and go, hey, I just released this last month. What do you think? You know, that's considered old news. The minute it comes out, it's like driving a car off the lot. You know, the minute that it comes out, the value changes. And of course, it isn't isn't to say that it's not going to happen, but it's just less appealing, you know. But journalists love to have an opportunity to be first on on something. When I tell you, one of the best things for a subject line, for an email subject line, is preview. You know, um, it's a private preview because you know they 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 feel like okay, you value our outlet enough to you know to give us something before everyone else could hear it. 
you know, I, I think that's something that's really, really, really helpful. And people have to consider that there's been times where, you know, people have approached me about doing PR for something that's already been released. And it's just, you know, unfortunately, you know, especially with an artist that people don't already know about, you're still trying to create awareness. You just people are less interested because, you know, it's hard. It's already out there. And it's, it's sad. Um, but I understand, you know, I totally understand that. But I don't I don't think most people think about that. So what would be some of your recommendations for uh, trying to get awareness? Um, you know, we, we kind of talked about it, but just kind of some practical things that people can do to really try to help people become aware of what they're doing other than spamming everything and just putting attention, <laughs> attention, attention. Check out my new song is a banger, best song of the year. Cause yeah. that immediately turns me away every time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I, I definitely think for sure taking the time to determine the appropriate people to send the music, music to that's something you and I were speaking about offline is that, you know, maybe you were, I don't know if that was during the tape or not, but we we're talking about people sending things that just weren't relevant. Like, okay, if we cover this type of content, why are you sending me something that totally it's, you know, does not fit into what, what we're doing. Um, right. You know, because that's kind of like, that's a waste of your time. You're like, I can only respond to so many emails. I stopped and I looked and see. So now you're actually upset, you know, because you saw something that was, just, and then it, it, for them, it's kind of like, it makes them look as if, okay, wow, you didn't even care enough, you know, to make sure you sent the right thing to me. And so, so, um, but definitely take the time, you know, do a lot of research. I spent a lot of time researching who covers what. Um, and, um, and really, uh, really customizing, you know, what I send them based on what I've seen them, them cover. So you need to do that even without a publicist, you need to do that. It goes a long way. Um, whenever, you know, I was, you know, full-time music journalist and whenever, uh, independent artists reached out to me directly and they said, Hey, I saw you wrote this and I thought you might be interested in this. Like, you know, that really got my attention and I appreciated it. And if I liked it, you know, I will cover it. Um, it may have taken know some time for me to get to it but i but i would do it so people definitely need to do that um also you know always put your best foot forward you know make sure i know it's you know it's um it's your work and everything but make sure it's 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 really up to par you know um before you start sending it out you know send your best stuff out i mean a lot of these artists um you know artists with big record labels and everything they don't just record 12 songs for their album you know they might 40 songs and pick the best ones so um you know like don't don't be afraid to like say ah i don't think this was ready or maybe i need to go back and make those lyrics better or whatever you know get you know have a circle of people whose opinion you really trust because you know if you do get someone to stop and listen to your music you want to make a good impression i mean if they stop and listen to it and they hate it you know then and now you got to regain their trust yeah, um you're, yeah. you start it's, it's, it's even worse than ground zero you know because now they're like well no, that other song was so terrible i don't, I don't even want to listen to it you know you, now you have to do damage control so you know just don't be in so so much of a rush you know you, you have time i mean i've talked to people and they're like hey this song you know it's going to come out on, on next week and i go well why well i told them, you know like no you can't just do that you need to take the proper time to set it up I mean, it's no, it's no need to just rush something out there. So just really have a, just really have a plan. Uh, give yourself, you know, adequate time. Um, know that follow up is is what's going to get it done. So there's lots of follow up that that's involved. It's not uncommon for me to have to follow up two or three times, you know, just to get a response from you know, certain certain people. And and lots of people actually don't even respond, you know, because they're so inundated. So. You really just need to give yourself the proper amount of time to be able to get it done and have everything in place. You need good quality pictures. Say someone likes your song and they want to cover it. You know, they can't, you know, yeah. everyone doesn't <laughs> just use the artwork. I mean, they, they need a picture, you know, that's going to show up in their feed. They don't want the album artwork or single. They want a picture. So make sure you have a, a good publicity picture. That's very important. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, so many times, um, I had a recent issue with this. Someone's like, okay, I need a picture. And I sent them the picture. Well, I need it in a, you know, it's a horizontal picture. I need a vertical. 
I was a vertical pitcher. I need a horizontal pitcher, you know, and that, that was a factor for them. So like have all your assets together because when the media asks you for something, they're basically saying, Hey, we're ready to do something on this. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is not be able to deliver what they need to be able to do the story. And that's frustrating to them. Now you made them mad. Now they, they want to cover it, cover it, but they can't because they don't have everything they need. So have, you know, have your good photos, have your artwork, you know, have your music, you know, most people like to use a link, whether it's, you know, Spotify, SoundCloud or YouTube or whatever, you know, just have everything set up, you know, have everything yeah. in place. People are ready to go. They can do it. So I pride myself on when I send out a press release, it has everything. So no one has to email me and ask me for anything. You know, yeah. there's a quote in there. Artists, there's the quality picture. There's the link, you know, like they're ready, ready to go. They just reply with, they cover with the link. Yeah, that's important. I think, you know, you have to make the work on the person you're trying to get to cover your, your whatever you're doing as easy as possible. Um, I've had people that'll send me stuff and, you know, like, you know, I I require, you know, for for track stars specifically, or and Solomon Sports, uh, you know, I'm like, just send me the MP3 so I can just click, listen. I don't have to download it. I don't have to go to Spotify or XYZ. And they're like, you can't just use the Spotify link. I'm like, now you just want to stream. Yeah. I'm like, I I know what you're doing now. And I'm like, and you know, it's kind of irritating because you're making my job harder as somebody who you want to, you know, give exposure to your music. So make, make it as easy as possible. And and, and like, uh, like Billy just said, like include everything they could ever want whenever you send them something. Yeah, and and uh, to that point, like so, most of the outlets, and I'm reaching out to like their writers. <clears throat> um, you know, they need a link, not an MP3. But there are a couple people that I, you know, some some people that I sent to have stations or shows, and they need an MP3. And so, just one particular person. Um, thank you. I thank him for his patience. You know, he has a, a show, and so he'll reply, "Hey, where's the MP3?" And that's happened more than once, which is terrible on my part that that has happened, you know, but um, it's like, no, this person stopped and he's interested in it. I know I'm pitching him because I want him to play it on his show. I know that he needs an MP3. Well, send him an MP3, you know? And so, yeah, I can't um, emphasize that enough. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That stuff is so important. I mean, just making it as easy as possible. And, uh, and, and those, those photos, you know, there's been artists who have complained about, <laughs> you know, it's KJ52 mm-hmm. complained that everybody uses the same exact photo all the time. And oh, yeah. uh, but it was like his best photo that he's ever had in his catalog. And, <laughs> so everybody wants to use it and everybody still uses the same photo, even though he's got other photos. <laughs> right, and, right, uh, right. You know, so in, in, invest in, you know, and, and, and then, you know, again, you know, you were talking about people, um, you know, trying to, Another issue I've had is people will send in a song. They'll say, hey, this just released today. Right. And I'm like, yep. you're just now sending it for coverage today? Yep. And I had one other guy who sent it in like a month early. And I was like, yo, a lot of respect to you for, for being way ahead of the curve on this. And, and yep. I told him, I said, nobody does this. And I appreciate you actually right. doing that. So you. You're not trying to rush me to hurry up and get this done for you. <laughs> right, and, uh, right. So you that is very true. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do. I definitely, definitely do deal with that. Yeah, man. Well, I definitely appreciate you giving a lot of these uh th- these these wise tips and advice to folks and you know, things that people will be able to use. And so if uh you know, if people are, are kind of interested in reaching out to you to see how you might be able to help them or uh, find out more about media and repertoire and, you know, how that might be able to serve their needs. What's the best way to do that? Sure. Um, my website is media and repertoire.com and that's M E D I A A N D R E P E R T O I R E.com. Um, my email is Billy at media and repertoire.com. You know, social media is just media repertoire. Unfortunately, media and repertoire are too long. So just media repertoire is um, how you can find me on social media. And then also personally at, at Billy Johnson Jr., which might be easier. And then, you'll, you know, <laughs> you'll see 
see links uh, to my uh, company information. Gotcha, gotcha. So is there anything that, that, that media repertoire might be looking for? Anything that y'all um, need there at the company or, you know, whether yeah, it's... Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm always looking for, you know, I'm always, you know, talking to people about um, potential new clients. I definitely love that. One thing that I love doing is consulting. I have one client, you know, it's mostly like consulting before this artist would do a big interview and that kind of thing. We'll get on the phone and talk and go through questions that will probably come up, you know, just to, you know, it's a media training kind of, kind of thing. So I, I like doing that. And, uh, you know, again, I, I just love sharing the information and the, and the process. Um, I've just done it for so long and it's, it's actually pretty cool to, you know, to, to um, be in this, to be in this seat approaching from this perspective yeah and that's important too because there's been a lot of artists out there who have been in the middle of an interview and they get asked a question and the way they responded like you know their heart was there but the words weren't matching their heart and and you can get into a lot of trouble that way right I, i will you know listen to the interviews and um and then i will if there is something i think could have been worded differently i will I will, um, I would tell them, I said, okay, well, I understand where, where you're coming from. I think it could be misinterpreted or, and so how about instead responding this way? Now, what's interesting is that, you know, that kind of approach is a ne- necessarily not the norm today because with all the social media antics and stuff, you know, people are, are doing quite well in terms of getting a lot of traction for flying off the handle and saying a lot of things, but you know, that only works for certain types of, um, you know, brands. And you know, I, I don't think that's in you know, the best interest of most people's brands, you know, to, you know, to handle things that way. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to always give my clients um, my opinion on how they could handle, you know, how they could an- better answer particular questions. Right, right. I actually did have, I did an interview one time with an artist that uh, a lot of people probably know. And their manager had us redo the interview because the way he answered some of the questions. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, next time leave this bit of information out and, and maybe just avoid because somebody could hear this and think you're talking about them X, Y, Z. And, uh, and yeah. so it's interesting that, you know, a lot of people, uh, just don't know how to answer. I mean, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. I've talked to people before and said things in the interview or one of my shows where I'm just like, ah, oh, man, that sounds really bad. I probably shouldn't have said it that way. Right, yeah. So. I mean, just think about in regular conversation, it's only natural that, you know, some of us may not say things the way that we wanted to say them. And those, and so it's just different when you, you're on a platform, especially today with social media, there's so many so many um, ways for people to take a piece of it and take it out of context and then create this other stuff. And artists definitely don't need that happening at, at the end of the day. But this happens every day. I mean, people are just looking for someone to trip on a word mm-hmm. or say the wrong thing. And that, I mean, and that's all she wrote. And then you're, you know, just forever trying to trying to clean that up. So it's definitely a, g- a good idea to, you know, talk these things through before you start, especially if you have something that's kind of controversial that could come up. You know, you definitely want to be want to avoid those kind of situations. Yeah, and then as a journalist, I, I get it. Yeah. And if you're a pastor, YouTube is not going to mm. do you any favors. <laughs> oh, oh, exactly. Like people are waiting. You know, people are waiting. Yes, say, they are. They oh, are, man. Wrong thing, right. So got uh, <laughs> to be prepared. Yes, sir. Well, Billy, again, I appreciate your time and, uh, and, and, and doing this interview, sharing your wisdom. Make sure you reach out to him for any questions you may have. And uh, the the links to the social medias will be in uh, in, in in the show description and all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, man, we're gonna have to get you back on the show soon. Uh, I feel like there was a lot that we didn't get to talk about that uh, that probably should be talked about. So hopefully we can make that happen uh, sooner rather than later. And I appreciate you, man. Okay, yeah, thank you, Jason. I had a great uh, great time. I'd love to come back. Uh, righty, that was the interview with Billy Johnson Jr. Again, Billy, thank you so much for doing this interview, uh, if you listen to this, sir. So make sure you go and check him out. 
And, uh, you know, if you, if you need some help with any of the things that he is involved with, make sure you, uh, you reach out to him. He's done some work with a lot of people that I know, and I didn't even know he had. So that was pretty cool. But uh, and, and shout out to uh, to Rick Sincere for uh, kind of pointing him out as somebody who I should interview for the show. So that was really cool. If you know anybody who would be a great fit for the show, uh, please make sure you let them know. Let me know so I can reach out to them. Uh, I'm looking for people in different areas of business, not just music in itself. And so I'm actually going to be talking with a CHH artist who who has started his own business as an entrepreneur, and uh, that has nothing to do with music. So I'm looking forward to doing that, and you'll find out about that sooner or later. I got to get that scheduled and all that good stuff, the logistics down. So um, before I tell you who it is, and yeah, man. So again, Aaron Simpkins, True Strength Apparel. Thank you so much for your support. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Look, make sure you go check out the rest of the Track Stars Podcasting Network, uh, Eminem Live Radio, 520 Collective Podcast, Salma Sports Podcast, the Track Stars Show in itself. And uh, they've had a lot of great conversations, so make sure you head over there and check them out. And I'm grateful for them for giving this show a platform to stand on and uh, just being able to to be there and serve in that capacity. And so, anyway, so that's it for the show this week. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And always remember, the more you learn, the more you know, the more you know, the more you grow. Thanks and God bless.